0: Sorry, guys, I had to write it down. (laughs) Lord, I just pray for peace over my dad tonight, Lord. I pray for what he has to say touches those who need to hear it. Lord, I just pray that you will speak through him and it will be from the heart and it will be filled with your guidance and understanding. Amen. And I got asked um, to say something that not everyone knows about my dad. Um, (laughs) And... It's that he has a very addictive personality. <laughs> and what I mean by that, I mean that if he finds a song very interesting, we will listen to it 500 times, until so we can recite it back to front, or we'll watch the Formula One 500 times and realize why ha- Hamilton didn't win, and it was, yeah, so that's it.):
1: Thank you, Natalie. That's off your face, yeah. great to see you guys and uh, so looking forward to eating together tonight as we continue our feast sunday we had an incredible time this morning just a beautiful time of worship and god really just it was just so beautiful to see so many people it was just wonderful and uh, really really excited to continue to partner with god and what he wants to do tonight so um I'm going to continue. I'm going to preach from one Corinthians chapter eleven, so you can go there if you would like to, from verse seventeen. And um, the idea of this feast came from came from us from an elders meeting, and uh, the idea was table and feet with a with a kind of tooth words and extravagance was another word, and and feasting was another word. And we just we felt actually, you know what we need to do is we need to action this. We need to prophetically feast in the midst of all that's going down. And uh, Jesus comes and he, it says in Psalm 23, says he he, he um, calls us to a meal in the midst of our enemies and sits down with us. And the imagery there is the host is the one that um, kind of, when you get invited to a, a banquet or a table, in the in the in the Middle East in those days, it was this beautiful spread, and you're you well known by the by the quality of your spread more than the quality of your possessions. And so if you invited to somebody's table it was a moment of intimacy, and if you were at the table, that person would be either judged, would be judged by the quality of the people at the table and who was at the table. So you understand Jesus is, God's in the, uh, the shepherd, invites us to a meal in the midst of our enemies. He doesn't care. So now what's going to happen is your enemy is going to become his enemy because you're at his table. And so actually Jesus does that for us. He kind of puts us around a table and actually he fights for us around the table. And he anoints our head with oil and our cups become overflowing as we sit with him around the table. And I've realized as we've started talk and I, we started talking, I started studying on the, the communion table, the, the Lord's Supper, it's known by many different things. And uh, this morning I spoke about how the, the six different words that that is known by in history, and the history of the church, and how each of those words add to our understanding of what that meal is. But what, I, what we do need to know is this, is that back in the day, it was not a nip and a sip on a Sunday, that was not the communion meal. It was actually a meal. And when we're going to read now in 1 Corinthians 11. And when Paul talks in 1 Corinthians 11 about what Jesus did, we've got to, we've got to do what Jesus did and told us to do, he goes back to the Last Supper. And the Last Supper actually was the model. And Jesus gave that model to his, his disciples. When you break this bread and when you drink this, remember me. And that day, that last supper was on Passover. So that goes back to their deliverance from Egypt. And so Jesus puts in place a meal in which his people would gather and even the Sunday meeting would be around a meal in the early church. And so Jesus puts in place this meal, this fellowship of difference, not difference, difference with a T-S. Where people would come together, different people from different backgrounds would come together and remember him. And this was this meal that Jesus wanted to put in place and he wanted that to be the thing that actually carried the church through. It's amazing that the power of the table, Heather spoke about the table last Sunday morning. And when we come together around a meal with Jesus there, the power of that moment as we acknowledge him. And he is there by the Spirit. And uh, it becomes this incredible moment that I want to look at 1 Corinthians 11 and so that we can kind of go into it a little bit more and then we're going to have that meal, but we're not going to have a nip and a sip. We're going to have some lamb rolls. And we're going to have some juice together and we're going to feast together. And that's the idea. In the midst of this, we're going to sit at the table with each other, and we're going to allow Jesus to minister to us, and we're going to allow each other to minister to us around a meal. And I really want to encourage you, friends, that we're meant to be doing this in our homes. We really do. We need to be having meals. We need to be inviting people. It's the most evangelistic moment you can have in your home. You have the meal, and you talk about Jesus, and you do it in a very non-religious way, and the power of God is there. It's incredible how we will take things and make them ritualistic, mystical, and even magical, which is what the meal started to become over the history of the church. And uh, it's, it's quite, anyway, let's get to 1 Corinthians 11. We'll get to some of those things. This is what it says. In the following directives, I have no praise for you. This is Paul now writing to the Corinthian church. This is a, this is a strong line that he's saying. For your meetings do more harm than good. That is a, that's a radical thing. You're coming together. It's better that you don't. In the first place, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you, and so, and to some extent, I believe it. Now doubt there have to be differences among you to show which of you have God's approval. He's being sarcastic. He's saying you're creating these divisions and of course you're trying to get approval by your divisions but actually in Christ at the table there aren't divisions. There There aren't these things. In Christ we are one around the table. He carries on. When you come together it is not the Lord's supper you eat for as you eat each of you goes ahead without waiting for anybody else. One remains hungry the other one gets drunk. Don't you have homes to eat and to eat and drink in, or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? And so, you see, when they're coming together was actually around a meal. And in those days, poor people worked seven days a week, rich people managed to get a Sunday off. And there was a moment. When these, when in this place when the church gathered together probably in a rich person's home, probably in a bigger home than what the working class could afford and they started eating before the people finished work numbers of commentators talk about this reality of, of, this, of the poor were kind of disregarded there, in fact and remember it was such a meal and it was such a celebration and it was such a moment that there was lots of alcohol flowing and there was lots of food. They were getting drunk and they were gorging themselves. So this was, this was meant to be a great celebration, a great meal together. And he says, your meetings are doing more harm than good because you're not representing the gospel in which you're meant to wait for each other to come to the meal. We'll see that now. He says, Do you, are you despising the church of God? Are you, are you, you, you don't understand what's happening here? You, 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 you're missing the covenantal responsibility you have under God, the covenantal reality that you have under God. You're missing it. You're not seeing your brothers and sisters. You're going ahead. You're rushing ahead because you can, not worrying about where they are. Remembering for those poor people, those people that would come to the banquet, this was probably the only meal of the day. They'd been working all day. So this meal represented such a, a, a picture of justice. It represented the people of God coming together around a table. And just because you provided the meal, because you were rich, it didn't give you the right to eat before everybody else came. This was a big gospel moment for these guys. And he carries on. He says, For I received this from the Lord, and I pass on to you. This is now, he goes back to Luke 22 and Mark 16, where he talks about the Lord's Supper. Receive this from the Lord. The Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This is my, the cup of the new covenant of my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For when you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes see this was a moment when they would come together and remember Jesus but when you remember Jesus you remember Jesus Jesus in the present in the now stands between the past and the future remember me past remember Jesus past I came and I died for your sin. God intervened. God acted in history in Jesus. And he shed his blood for the forgiveness of sin. And he broke his body so that we would be whole. Remember that. In this moment, whenever you drink this meal, whenever you drink this cup and you have this meal, remember Jesus of the past. And all that he's given you and all that he's made available to you. The covenantal promises that are in him that we get through him with the Father. We're in covenant with the God, the creator of the universe. If he is for us, who can be against us? Because of this Jesus. He says, remember that. Remember what you have in him. Remember the healing that you have in him. Remember all the kingdom, all the life of God that you have in him. But also look forward and anticipate what's coming. And when you break this meal, get excited because God's not finished with you. God's still got more for you. And God's still got more for this planet. And and what you're experiencing now is not God's last word for us as a people. There's more to come. And we start and we live in the expectation of the new creation and the new heavens and the new earth breaking in, now in the presence of Jesus because of what He's done for us. And this was this meal. No matter who you were, this was this meal that was meant to position you in Christ, the celebratory meal, where you'd drink together, where you'd share stories together, where, you would, where you'd talk to each other about ordinary things, not just ordinary things, spiritual things, and you, you'd find out more about each other around the table. It was a moment of celebration. It was a moment of praying for each other, a moment of intimacy with God and each other. It was a moment to participate with each other, a fellowship, to to come together as a body, as people of Christ. And when they did it, he said, You might as well not do it because the way you're doing it is so faulty. You're missing the purpose of it. It was a moment of, of unity, it was a moment of covenantal promise, and you're missing it. We're missing it. You're not waiting for the people. You're going ahead. You're thinking about yourself only. You're not thinking about others. Then he carries on. He says, Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. A man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord, eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many of you are weak and sick, and a number of you have fallen asleep. People are getting sick and dying because they're not doing this thing properly. It's hectic. But you know what, friends? Those, those few verses, I think, have so limited our understanding and our expression of this meal that was made in God it's, it's, it's phenomenal to think that it started off as a meal and slowly but surely incrementally to the point that in, in kind of what, what, what are the numbers here I'll, I'll give you the exact dates there, there was a moment in the, in the history of this process where where when Constantine was, was the, 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 the emperor at the time and, and the Christianity became the religion of the time, of the age, the kind of politically, what happened was the church stopped being a people and it started being a building. And so people were building cathedrals and you started build, meeting in buildings. And there was lots of people in buildings. Instead of, and, and they stopped meeting in each other's homes in many respects. So the emphasis became the building and not the table. And so eventually, and and remember this was a socially open space. It was a a place anybody could come. And so all sorts of stuff started to go on, and things faulty people do faulty things. And so to eventually in 364 AD at the Council of Diodicea, they banned the Lord's Supper from the building. You had to do it off grounds. People were getting drunk. People were abusing this, people were being used and misused to the point in 60 in 692 at the council of trillion it was forbidden altogether the meal was considered sinful can you believe it and slowly but surely and then this whole practice got corrupted And then the reformers came and they corrected the theology. And then there was also, there was those pastoral and practice kind of issues. But then there was also theological issues because the church, there was this big debate. Was the the bread and the wine, the, the actual body of Jesus and the actual blood of Jesus? And you couldn't waste any. And if you had a cup, you had to finish it because you can't spill the blood of Jesus on the floor. You can't waste the blood of Jesus or the body of Jesus. And there was this massive divide between Catholic and Protestants. The very thing that was meant to bring people together divided people as they messed this thing up and got this thing confused. And even when they did it, it was said in Latin and nobody could understand the priest. It was done by the priest and it became this liturgical thing that actually you couldn't really participate, you didn't really understand and And what happened was, in the 1600s, the reformers came and they corrected the theology, but they never really took it back to the meal. They never really took it back to the table. And so we have in practices now, in Protestant churches, we have the nip and the sip on a Sunday. And there's nothing wrong with doing a nip and a sip on a Sunday. If we understand this was meant to be a meal, and the nip and the, 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 the elements, the, the bit of bread or the bit of biscuit and the wine or the bit of grape juice, actually that's symbolic of the meal, which is symbolic of Jesus. As long as we get that, we understand that. But the church needs to get around the table, friends. Friends. The church needs to get around the blood and the and the body of Jesus in your home, around the table, and allow the power of God to come and meet with us in profound ways. And those few verses there, when you think of when you think of of, of the, the, the the meal, you, you kind of think of this very somber very individualistic, very, this kind of moment. And then we, and we, and we, we kind of missed the, the, the point of this, which was the celebratory meal. But the, these verses here are quite key in understanding that. So, I mean, I remember growing up as somebody that was taking communion. And it says here, it says, whoever eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. And I was like, flip, Lord, have I had any sins? It, what have I done today? Have I, what have I, am I worthy? What's happening? Is What's going on here, Lord? Friends, you know, you know when you need the blood and the body of Jesus. You know when you need to be at the table to rekindle and to restore the covenantal blessing that you have under God. Is when you are unworthy. That's not what this is talking about. This is talking about a group of people that are practicing this in an unworthy manner because they're missing the point of the love and justice at the table. If you feel unworthy, get around the table with some believers. Because that's what you need. You need the blood and the body of Jesus. You need, to talk, you need to remind yourself of the covenantal promise that you have. And recommit yourself to the covenant of God. And say, God, please help me walk this out with you. It's not just a moment of introspection. It's a moment of, of enjoying the blessing of the gospel. And the kingdom come in Christ. It goes on in verse 29. It says, For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing, or other, other translations say, discerning the body of the Lord, eats and drinks judgment on themselves. This is why many of you are weak and sick. When it when talks, their friends, about the body of the Lord, it's not talking about Jesus' actual body, it's talking about the body, the church. It's talking about you, you, you're missing this thing. You're actually not discerning the church. You're not discerning the body. You're not discerning this group of people. You, 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 you're missing the point of this thing. You're making me and my church a laughing stock. That's why he goes on to say, and that's why you can understand what he's saying. He goes on to say in verse 33, So then, brothers, when you come together, eat to eat, wait for each other. Wait for each other. You know what South Africa needs right now as a nation with all of our political stuff and all of our racial stuff and all of our socio-economic stuff? We need to be around the table of Jesus and learn to wait for each other. We need to wait for each other. Patient with each other. And allow the body of Jesus to do his work in our lives, personally, corporately, around the table, and in our nation. Because that body of Jesus, that blood of Jesus, is transformational at its very core. Man, we've got to get back to the table with celebration. We've got to get back to the table. Where we again start to understand the absolute it's the, the, gratitude. One of the words for the, the table is the Eucharist. The thank, thank, thank you. To say thank you. To be, that's what it means. Thankfulness. It's, it's to be thankful by, about God. To be thankful for what we have in Him. When you break the bread, understand something had to die so that you can live. Everything, think about this. Jesus, somebody had to sacrifice for you to have that meal. Somebody had to do work. Somebody had to plant seed. Somebody had to harvest the wheat. Somebody had to make the bread. That wheat had to die so that you could be filled, so that we could eat. It's a profound reminder of the sacrifice and the blood of Jesus and the body of Jesus that was broken for us that we could eat that we could have life, that we could, the sacrifice of Jesus is life for us, for those that believe in Him. And tonight when we eat, friends, when we eat, I pray that we would intentionally get with each other as though Jesus was sitting there with you, because He is, by the Holy Spirit. And that we would We would would enjoy the meal, enjoy each other, have fun together, and allow the Spirit of God to shift and change and mold us in a profound, profound way. This is this meal that God has given us, that Jesus has given us. Remember, it was at the same time as Passover. Jesus was the Passover. Jesus was the Passover lamb. It's a moment of deliverance. It's a moment of freedom. It's a moment of inheritance. It's a moment where all of these things collide into the present. Every time we eat and we acknowledge him. It's not some mystical, magical, nip and a slip kind of thing. When you acknowledge Jesus and you live in the past, present, and future of the kingdom of God, the presence of God is available to us. And the presence of God wants to work in us. And all we've got to do is continue to enjoy God and enjoy each other. It's a moment of sharing one another. Friends, we, at the, the table says this. I can't do this on my own. Nobody celebrates by themselves. Yes, I just got a, an A for my trick. Go for a walk on the beach. No. Got an A from a trick. Get all my mates together. We're going to celebrate. It's part of the life of God. It's part of the church of God. It's part of the people of God. We come together and we celebrate. And we break bread and we say, Lord, thank you for your, for your life spent for us. Thank you that my sin no longer counts against me because of your blood. Thank you that I am, you are always for me even when I don't feel like you're there, even when I don't think that you're there, even when I think that I've messed it up, thank you, Lord God, that I can remind myself again, you are for me, not against me. And we reset ourselves. And God has designed it that we continue to reset ourselves all the time. Friends, that's what what home groups are meant to be. Home groups are not meant to be a programmed preach, worship, prayerful It's meant to be fun. It's meant to be around the table and sharing stories and sharing testimonies and and thanking God and reading a piece of scripture and saying, look at this or what I saw. It's meant to be just that simple. That's the church in operation. And friends, when you invite your mates that don't yet know Jesus into that environment, they're like, who are you people? With such love. As Heather said last week, she said, make sure that at this time we don't build higher walls, we build longer tables. Man, we've got to build longer tables as a church. I almost want to say this, where the communion table goes, where the table goes, the church goes. It's like you make that thing mystical, magical, and something individualistic that happens, and actually it becomes inward. I was saying this morning, the mass is one of the words that this um, meal is known as, and the, the, what, the, the mass came from this um, Latin phrase, ita missa est, and that ita missa est was said at the end of the meal, at the end of this, this moment, and it, it, that became shortened to the mass, that's how you got the word, the mass, and ita missa est means this, go, you are sent. You see, this meal is not an inward looking, introspective, somber, sober, uh, this like, individualistic thing. This is the power and the life of God available to us as we encourage one another, as we sharpen one another, as we are sent from the table to go and be God's hands, feet, and life in the earth. It's an incredible moment in God. And so we're feasting tonight. We were feasting this morning. It was so amazing. Cues of people, just lamb. Oof. <laughs> Fatty parts. Oof, love it. And I sat there watching the cues this morning and i and I just thinking, oh Lord, thank you for your people. Your people are absolutely amazing. Absolutely incredible. Thank you that, Father... Do a work in these men and women's hearts, these children's hearts, Lord God. Grab them, take hold of them. As they bite into that lamb, let the lamb of life come to them. Father, as they sit and they eat and they, and they create new friendships and they, they're widening their circles of influence and friendship circles and lengthening their tables, Lord God, let your life come and flow, Lord. I'm praying people will get healed at the table. I'm praying people will get saved at the table. I'm praying prodigals will come home, back home at the table. I'm praying people will renew, uh, um, we're doing a, a renewal of uh, vows with a married couple in the next couple of weeks. Thinking, what is that? I mean, how do you, I'm trying to think, how do I, what do you say? at The renewal of, I thought, that's what you say, it's the table. You're coming, you're sitting and you're saying, God, thank you for what you've done. Thank you for what you've done. Thank you that you haven't counted my sin against me. And thank you that you've got so much more for me. And you know what? When you're at the table and you've stopped believing that, you've got a brother or sister saying, hey, what are you doing? What are you thinking? Remember what God has for you. I was there when God prophesied. Somebody prophesied over you, this is your future. That's what we're going to pray for right now. That's the community of God. That's the life of God. We're going to eat together now. What we're also going to do is when they look back to that last supper, there was a moment where the the person that is of highest honor in the meal, they would sit at the center of this uh, three-walled room. It's got a Greek name that I can't remember now. Yeah, another name. Not that one. (laughs) Yeah, that one probably. Anyway. And they would be the person of honor. They were the ones that would get their feet washed. They were the ones that would... It was done in honor of them. And then there was a meal. When the one who had most honor at the meal was the one that stripped down put his apron on and started washing feet. That's it. That's it. Try that thing. That's it. again. Try, what's it? Try? Criclinium. That's the one. Criclinium. Yeah. Can I say foot for sec? No. So what we're going to do is because the word that God gave us was table and feet, is we're going to have a moment where like Jesus we serve one another by washing feet, if you want to. There's an opportunity to, to, to find somebody and just say, actually, I want to serve you. I want to honor you, just like Jesus did in that moment. But for men, remember this. This was, this was kind of the, the, the most servant-hearted thing that Jesus could do in that moment. The point is, it's servant-hearted. You see, when we have the meal which is what these guys got completely wrong. It was meant to be servant-hearted. It wasn't about me first. It was about others first. It was my love for one another. And actually, my prayer is, even as we, we, we learn to serve one another, I said to the, I said to the church this morning, I, I, we want to have, we, I, I, I'm not that cool, I'm not that keen on, a, I, I'm quite keen on a volunteer culture, but I much prefer a servant-hearted culture that volunteers. Because you can drum up volunteers and we find belonging because we're serving and whatever. Actually, what happens if we just find our belonging in Him and we just buy, like Him? We just quickly take our, and we, and we wash feet. We, if we do whatever we need to do. Whether it's kids ministry that needs running or a coffee machine that needs attending, whatever. We're just there and we're going to serve the people of God. Just in a moment, even on a Sunday, not, not to mention outside of these walls. So we're going to do that now. And we're going to feast we're going to eat. We, we, we're trying to be extravagant. <laughs> That's why we're doing lamb and stuff. And we're just giving it away, just saying, come and let's eat together. And we're praying that, um, we all, we're praying as a team that God would do something in our hearts as we do that. So I invite you to do that. Let's just stand. Nick, I don't know how you want to end this thing, bro. So let's stand. There are, there are, there are um, basins here. There are towels there. There's hot water somewhere as well to add to the colder water. If you want to just wash feet, if you want to, we're going to leave this place now. We're going to go and we're going to chow.